When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, tech fans, and welcome in to another edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast, recording on Wednesday, December 11th. Whether you're watching live on Facebook or watching archived, listening archived, however and wherever you are listening or watching the Tech Sideline Podcast, we are so glad you could join us today, recording the morning of Wednesday, December the 11th. And we've got a fun podcast in store for you guys today because Will and Chris have been talking about it for quite some time. We should do a podcast where we just open it up to our fans at Tech Sideline, those on the message boards, those watching live on Facebook, and that's exactly what we're going to do today. We have a little bit planned at the beginning of the podcast, and then the rest of the show will be all about you and whatever questions or comments you have for Will and Chris. They are here with us here on the podcast set, our founder and head honcho, Will Stewart, our managing editor, Chris Coleman. We've got Malcolm Stewart producing, and I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. A reminder that this week and every week, the Tech Sideline podcast is proudly presented by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm, dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. From their offices in Blacksburg and Roanoke, the Fisher Law Firm... Ha- That's not it, is it? It's not Blacksburg and Roanoke. It's, it's Fisher it's, Law. Well, it says Blacksburg oh, and Roanoke. Oh, it is. It is, yeah. But, but Jonathan said that he shut down the Roanoke office a while ago. So but right but I haven't really communicated with him on what he wants the new pitch to be, so we've been sticking with the old one. So from their offices in Roanoke, the official law firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. To date, the firm has defended more than 30,000 people. That number continues to grow, charged with a moving violation. For a free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll free at 1-800-680-7031. Again, that's 1-800-680-7031. You can email them at info at fisherlegal.com. Again, that's the official law firm, the sponsor of the Tech Sideline podcast. All right, guys, good morning. Uh, it's been an eventful day, an eventful morning, because it did snow overnight and resulted <laughs> in a delay in all of us getting here on time because uh, it, it our, our windows were, were covered with ice this morning. Well, it's, it's one of those bad sorts of snows because it rained and rained and rained and rained, and then the temperature dropped. And yeah. hardly snowed at all. It, yeah. Right, it, but it just freezes everything yeah. to the vehicle, and, and I actually couldn't get my window down this right. morning. And yeah. and I I when when I went to open the the door to the truck, it went yep crack yeah. crack. You know, you could. Am I breaking the truck or am uh, I breaking the ice? I was afraid I was going to do the same thing. Like could, couldn't open it. Couldn't. Yeah, it took me like twenty yeah. minutes to, before I could leave. So, um, yeah, but that is the update. The weather update is we always do to begin the Tech Sideline podcast. It is sunny now. But, it's cold, um, though. You're right. It was raining, and it was like a cold rain that turned into snow overnight, and so just a, a weird weather day. In the last I, got, I got an email. I signed up for Scott's Cheap Flights, uh-huh. and uh, <laughs> they, they find flights online, and I got an email talking about $250 flights to Bermuda. <laughs> I was very, very close. Very, what what was the time close. frame on that, man? I need to take I, my wife somewhere. I don't remember. I'll, I'll start forwarding them to you. All right. Yeah. All right. There you go. Yeah. So Chris is in a Bermuda state of mind today I'm, on the Tech Sideline podcast. Actually, I'm in a – it's not Bermuda. I'm in a non-cold weather state of mind. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so, as, so. As, as I told you, uh, December is my 10th favorite month of the year. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my middle uh, child, my son Ronan, goes to South Carolina, uh-huh. so he's always mocking us with pictures from Columbia and, and you know – 
oh, it's 70 degrees here today. What's going on there? You know. Well, yeah, hopefully it'll warm up a little bit here down the stretch. But, uh, yeah, we've listen. So uh, before we get going, I do want to kind of, uh, again, for those watching on Facebook Live today, show's kind of all about you today. If you've got a comment or question, not just about things that are going on right now, it can be anything for Will and Chris. Start dropping those now. We're going to get to you in about 10 to 15 minutes. We've got a little bit prepared. But, Will, this is something that you've talked about. Now that we have the, the Facebook Live angle, the set, doing a Yay. show that's kind of dedicated for the uh, the fans. So this is this is for the TSL fans today. I'm looking forward to it. Should be fun. You can even ask us questions about TSL if you want to. Yeah, literally, whatever. So so uh, start thinking about them. Start dropping them out. we got a little bit to get through. And the first thing I will start with today is actually news that came out this morning. And that is the schedule continues um to add more SEC to teams take home down an the SEC road. Flavor, yeah. So yeah, Virginia Tech announcing that they have added a home and home series with South Carolina in 2034 and 2035. So, in those years 2034 and 2035, according to the Virginia Tech press release that was put out, the Hokies in 2034 play at home against Alabama, and they play out South at South Carolina. And then in 2035, they play at Alabama and home to South Carolina. So two SEC opponents in the same season. Yeah, uh, shouldn't have trouble selling tickets that year. My question is uh, how many people will Lane Stadium seat then? It's going to seat like 40,000 people at this point because it, because by then we're all going to have virtual reality headsets. We can watch the game from field level if we want to, right? You can, you can sit on your couch and with your little headset and watch Virginia Tech Alabama from the sideline. Probably. Oh, you can go into the huddle, you know. Yeah. You, you can listen over the coach's headsets. Yeah, right, like that's going to happen. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I, I made the joke before we went on the air that Evan will be pushing me to those games in my wheelchair. <laughs> I will be 69 for the first one and 70 for the second one. Go Hokies! With my, oh my teeth gosh. falling out. 2035, I might be bringing my family to that. I mean, who, who knows what's going on? <laughs> but you look at the um, the job, though, that, that Whit Babcock has done in scheduling a lot of marquee opponents. Like, one thing we talked about beginning of the year was, ah, oh, there's no, like, home marquee um, opponent, which obviously didn't turn out to be. It was one of the best exciting schedules in quite some time. But you go 2029, you've got Arizona. 2030, you've got Arizona, BYU. Uh, 2031, 2032, you've got Wisconsin, Ole Miss in 2032, and then you got Dude, Notre don't Dame. don't wind me up about Wisconsin. Yeah. That's not happening. Oh, you, you and, just Andy Bitter, said, Andy Bitter went to Wisconsin, and he said that series was originally scheduled when he was in college, and it keeps yep. getting pushed back. Yep. So, so anyway – well, anyways, there's a lot of... Um, Sorry to interrupt you. Keep no, going. No, that's all right. The 2030s is going to be a lot of fun. That's all I'm trying to say. Um, we'll be on episode yeah. 1000 of the Tech Sideline podcast by then. And, uh, that is correct. So, I'll have to do the math on that one. Anyways, that is the news of the day for those waking up this morning. Virginia Tech adding a home and home with South Carolina. Okay, let's dive into what we were going to talk about. Uh, and I wanted to lead off the podcast today with uh, talking about Charlie Wiles. Uh, the longtime defensive line coach at Virginia Tech for 24 years, uh, just parted ways with the program. It was announced earlier this week. And, Chris, I read your article that you talked about Justin Hamilton and Charlie Wiles and Zon Burden and Brian Mitchell, and I, I thought your, your paragraph was just really um, really kind of heartfelt about Charlie Wiles and you know, really spoke your mind um, about what he meant to you and seeing him like a Gucci Kroger and all that. Yeah. Aside from the football field, because, you know, Charlie Wiles is not going to get the, uh, the the Bud Foster Wake Forest treatment per se. He's not going to coach in the bowl game. So I thought it would be appropriate just to kind of take this time to just reflect on what he has meant 
to the lunch pail defense, what he meant to Virginia Tech in the 90s, the 2000s, 2010s, and the legacy that he leaves behind at Virginia Tech. Uh, I think it says a lot about how his, let's go ahead and call it a dismissal because that's what it was, how his dismissal was handled as opposed to the other two coaches that were dismissed. Um, Charlie got a press release. Charlie got his own personal press release. He was given the option to coach the bowl game, and he got a thank you press release saying how great he was over at Virginia Tech over the last 23 years or however, however yeah. long it's been. So, yeah, uh, it was not an easy thing for them to do to let Charlie Wiles go because everybody over there likes him. He's, he's a great guy, um, good for staff chemistry. He's been – he's brought in a lot of good players to Tech. He's – He's obviously developed a lot of really good players. Uh, so you know, just just one of the one of the most important hires that Frank Beamer made of his tenure, in my opinion. Um, he and Bud were always tied at the hip, um, but at the same time, you kind of wonder if this is a move Justin Fuente wanted to make before and could not make it because Bud Foster was his defensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Or, or, may, or maybe he wouldn't have. Maybe it's the fact that Justin Hamilton's the defensive coordinator and wants to do different things with his defensive front schematically or whatever that Charlie Wiles has never coached before. Maybe, maybe that's the issue. I don't know. But there's always, whenever there's a coaching change, there's always collateral damage. And uh, Charlie's the collateral damage in, in this case, and which is unfortunate, but it's part of the business. So... Uh, He'll land on his feet somewhere. Uh, you know, he's from Florida. He's recruited Florida very well for Virginia Tech. Isaiah Ford's mom said on Twitter the other day, Charlie Wiles is the reason we picked Tech. Um, so, hopefully, it'd be nice for him if he got a job in Florida or something like that, because I know I'm sure he's got still has family down there and it's warm weather all the time. Um, so, best of luck to that guy because he's been great for us. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think, Will? Just the impact that he leaves behind. So, um, when I, when I first heard about this, I started thinking Ford. You know, like who they're going to replace him with? What what are the, what are they looking for here? And then, you know, I read Chris's article where he talked about just missing Charlie, and that was the first time I really thought about that. And uh, that is a bummer. I, you know, I, I wrote in an article that one of the biggest things I'm going to miss about Bud Foster is that. Uh, press conferences are about to get way less interesting. Yeah, you know, and Charlie's in there too. It's it's not that Charlie's been in front of the press a lot in the last few years, but he's an interesting, colorful guy. Um, I've followed Charlie uh, on Twitter for a while, and and I think he follows me also. So I get he does. Well, he <laughs> likes a whole bunch of our tweets and things. Like so that. I get a whole bunch of notifications about what Charlie's mm-hmm. liking and retweeting, and he he follows some hilarious oh, Twitter accounts on animal videos and yeah, things like yeah. that. So I, I blundered upon some interesting Twitter follows just from you know getting notifications of what Charlie was watching, and, <laughs> and I thought it was this this fascinating insight into into his personality that he I could picture him on his phone on Twitter watching alligators come out of the water and, and, and chase chase off girls and things like that just all these crazy animal videos and stuff like that so uh it's a bummer you know i think charlie's 55 mid 50s 55. about the same as me so you know he's got some good years left in him and and you know i think people are divided on um whether or not charlie is quote unquote a good recruiter there is the school of thought that Virginia Tech has missed out on a lot of big uh, defensive line prospects, particularly in the last you know ten years or so, while Charlie has been the defensive line coach. But then there are stories like you know Isaiah Ford coming here because of Charlie, mm-hmm. 
And and one thing Charlie had a, I think other people may agree or disagree. One thing he had a knack for was just, just finding guys like uh, Luther Maddie and Daddy Nicholas. He he pulled them out of Florida. You know, Chris remembers the details better than me. Like right before signing day, Charlie's like, "Oh, you need a couple DL. Let's go get these guys." And they turned out to be great players. Yeah. Uh, I feel the same way about uh, Kendricks and and Mario Kendricks and Narell Pollard. That that seemed to be a a late cycle thing. Well, we'll just go get those guys, you know, and they turn out to be pretty Actually, darn good. Actually, that wasn't a late cycle thing. They identified those guys in the summer, yeah. but, but they were three-star recruits and not national names and everything yeah. like that. Um, so so Charlie did have a knack for that. I, um, so He was, to me, I think Charlie Wiles was a boomer bust recruiter. Um, he recruited a lot of busts. Like, he would take chances on guys and they would be busts. And then at the same time, Back around 1996, he rolls in a staff meeting and says, hey, guys, I got this 205-pound Juco defensive end we need to look at. <laughs> and and any other coaching staff would have laughed him right out of the room and maybe even fired him. But they took a look at the guy and decided to take him, and the guy was Corey Moore. Yeah. Right? Um, so that, that's my example of being boom or bust. Like, nobody else is going to touch Corey Moore, just Charlie Wiles. Well, Virginia Tech was more likely to touch him than anybody else because they they'd had success with Cornell Brown, who showed up at Tech weighing something like 210, 215 pounds and turned out to be a great player at defensive end. And and Corey kind of fit Tech's scheme. And I, I think Tech would have been one of the few schools in the country willing to, willing to take a flyer. As a defensive end. As a defensive right. end. Right, yeah. Because everybody else was recruiting Cornell as a linebacker. Uh, Cornell or Corey? Cornell. Cornell. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's their mistake. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he turned out to be an All-American defensive end. Yep. Well, I think it's been well documented too on social media too. Just the and you guys touched on it, his his personality, his press conferences, and how fun that he would make them. I, I shared it on Twitter the other day. My dad actually went to grad school with Charlie. They were in the athletic department in the late '80s together, and he just continues to say one of the funniest human beings he has ever been around. Just yeah, so no doubt. good, yeah. good dude. And yeah. uh, was he so. the one that coined the phrase "pitch a fit"? Probably. Talking about his defensive lineman, you know, he's, he's yeah. like, I like my guys to pitch a fit. I you know? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that, that's yeah. – I, I think that was the first time I ever heard He it. had a lot of phrases, some of which we won't mention on air. But, uh, yeah, yeah. He, he was a good dude. Or is a good dude. He's just not here anymore. Yeah, he's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's move on. We're talking about uh, we're talking about the impact that Charlie Wiles left, and it can, kind of continuing on the thing we touched on last podcast, and that is uh, the staff changes that are being made right now in the Virginia Tech football staff. Uh, the other kind of rumor mill that's been going around on message boards and social media, and that is about um, Adam Lechtenberg, uh, who has been on staff the last couple of years, has ties to Coach Justin Fuente since 2007 at TCU, uh, worked with him at Memphis. Uh, he is the interim running backs coach mm -hmm. for the bowl game that mm -hmm. is confirmed correct uh i don't think virginia tech's actually announced that but nope. we've heard the, yes, yes he is good sources yeah so that you know maybe there could be something moving on past that nothing officially anything that you want to uh, talk uh, about that the, with the, there, there, there are some rumors about him being the full-time running backs coach right now i don't see that happening or if that were the case they would have announced it already because he's already employed by Tech, they don't have to go through the HR process. They could they could make right. a, they could make that announcement immediately. Um, they have not. Um, so maybe he. I'm not saying he won't be or that he will be. I'm just saying that if he was, we'd already know it, um, and we we have not heard that that's going to happen. And Lechtenberg is a guy that Fuente values as an evaluate values as, as an, an evaluator. evaluator. You were saying it right. Okay, mm -hmm. and, and as a recruiter, 
He's the type of guy because right now he's the 10th assistant coach, but he doesn't have a position to coach. So he can take off on a Thursday and start evaluating JUCO guys. He can go watch a Deshaun Crawford practice in Mississippi on a Wednesday if he wants to. Uh, and if he were moved to a position coach, you lose that. When, uh, when, when the NCAA approved that 10th assistant coaching position, Virginia Tech found a unique way to use that spot. And Virginia Tech doesn't have as much money as most schools, so they have to find other ways to be efficient and do things other schools aren't doing because there's just so few chances to get a leg up these days. And that's one of the things they did. They just basically put an evaluator and a recruiter in that 10th uh, assistant spot, and he has less coaching responsibilities than the rest of the coaches. Doesn't have to game plan, right. none of that stuff. Right. So, mm-hmm. so if you put him at running backs, Coach, you lose that advantage. So I personally don't see that happening. I'm not saying that it's not, but uh, I, I wouldn't do it if, if I were there. I would say the, the – I don't want to say the only way, but one way where they would assign him a position, turn him into a position coach, is if they found another guy to fill a role sim- exactly. just, just a pure recruiter. Right. And that's intriguing because as good an evaluator and everything as Lechtenberg is, um, you, you could really – and I, I, I don't know if we do or don't want to mention names, but there are guys out there who could be hired guns just as recruiters who could do a great job. Right. So something to think about. Yeah. And, and again, we talk about this stuff, and um, it, you know, we haven't seen the whole picture painted yet. You know. You know, so, depending on who. Let's say, you, let's say for a second they did move Lechtenberg to running backs coach, and that tenth assistant spot is open. The. I would love to have, like, an in-state specialist right there. Like, on, in theory, on paper, I would hire, like, Lauren Johnson to that position. Tech fans would love that. Lauren's a state championship winning coach. Uh, here's the problem, though. Lauren's a football coach. Okay? Lauren, Lauren doesn't want to just be a recruiter. He wants a position to coach. He didn't, he didn't want to be just, like, some 10th assistant who hangs around at practice sometimes and is just recruiting the rest of the time. He wants to be involved with football. Most football coaches are like that. Yeah, well, that that's, you know, and one of the things we heard about Charlie is that Charlie's going to miss spring football the most, the most. because that's when he got to coach. Yeah. That's when you just you get really to get coach. You really get to coach. You don't have to worry about the next opponent, game plan, anything like that. You can just develop players. And, and, and it's like any profession. You get into a profession because there's, oh, I really love this. I love coaching kids. Right. And then you become a college football coach, and you got to do all this other stuff, all this recruiting, and maybe you like right. that too. But, you know, they, they all get into it because they like working with the players. That's reason number one. So if you want to get an experienced recruiter for that 10th spot, you better be able to pay a lot of money because that guy's going to want a position to coach. And if he doesn't have a position coach, he's, he's, he would demand a lot of money to say, okay, if I'm just going to recruit for you and I don't actually get to coach football, you're going to have to pay me a half a million. And Tech doesn't have the money to do that. So you, you got to be very, very careful. If they've already got a really good guy in that position, which I think they have, don't move them out of it. And they don't have to pay the guy they've got a whole lot of money relative, relative to the other position coaches and stuff. So I, I don't know. We'll see. Like like we've been saying, there's so many part moving parts to this entire thing when you're reforming a staff. Um, but as far as Lechtenberg goes, man, I, I would keep him in the position he's in right now. That's just me. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, anything you guys want to add about the the coaching staff? You're just thinking about the uh, the questions that we have coming. Anything Anything you guys want to add about that? Uh, I don't think there's really anything to add. I, I don't think we'll see the full picture until after the bowl game. Yeah. Um, so many moving parts right now. Yeah. Um, coaching searches are. It's cool. It's interesting. Yeah. And actually, I'm. I'm. If there's any year to make changes like this, it's this one. So, 
Fuente ends the season with a loss to UVA, and he's the type that broods on things, man. He, he can sit around and brood on that, or he can get right back to work and hire a whole new coaching staff, right? So I think it's good for his psyche. I think it's good for the fan base, because instead of sitting around for the next month talking about losing to UVA, you can talk about Justin Hamilton and coaching changes and things like that. It gets your mind off something like that and onto something that's yeah. more important long term. And as we talked about, I think the fan base got over that UVA thing pretty quickly. I think they realized how unique and, and unsustainable a long uh, streak like that is. And Chris, yeah. Chris wrote a whole article about it, about major in-state rivalries and longest winning streaks in those rivalries. And that 15-game winning streak was rare. very rare. Incredible. No, 100%. And I think it's a good way to put a cap on that uh, discussion. Before we take a break, and I'm telling you, we're going to spend the rest of the podcast hearing from you, the Tech Sideline fans on Facebook Live and other questions that were submitted earlier. It is a big recruiting weekend for Virginia Tech football. Uh, just a couple of big-name recruits coming into Blacksburg this weekend. So uh, Several de- defensive linemen from Texas. Tilt that mic. Which way? That way. That way? Other way. There you go. Okay. Uh <laughs> Defensive line from Texas. Yeah, some defensive linemen from Texas. Um, one uh, so, so let's see if we can remember the names. Alec Bryant. Alec Bryant. Robert Wooten. Robert Wooten. And then an unusual uh, name that I, yeah, I haven't locked I, I in yet. Uh, Bryant was committed to LSU. Wooten was committed to Missouri, I think. I think you're right. Um, or, yeah. Yeah, so it's interesting you're getting all these defensive linemen to visit when Tech doesn't even have a defensive line coach. And they got a graduate transfer running back when they don't even have a running backs coach. Yeah, so yeah, we well, can bring that, that up. Maybe they shouldn't yeah. hire anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is uh, some, some new news that actually did come out. Was it, yeah. I believe it was yesterday. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good pickup. For yeah, Tech. so a, a graduate transfer in Khalil Herbert from Kansas – uh, is a running back that is immediately eligible to play next season uh, and a guy with a, a, a lot of experience coming into Blacksburg. What did you guys make of that announcement? Well, he uh, he rushed for 187 on BC on 11 <laughs> carries. and I think Tech averaged 2.9 yards per carry as a team against Boston And College, he averaged, so, what, 17, yeah. <laughs> 17 there, there, yards there, a carry? There was a couple of years ago he rushed for like 274 against West Virginia. Yeah. And uh, – which, again, was more than Tech rushed for as a team against West Virginia in 2017. Yeah, so... Uh, uh, so, like, wh- whenever he's been given, like, double-digit carries, he's done really, really well. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I think uh, I think he could possibly be Tech's best back right, right away this year. You know, he's 5'9", 205. He's got some explosiveness to him, but Tech really so many... Too. His, long, his long runs come when, like, people bounce off his legs because he has such a strong lower body Um, and tech doesn't have anybody with that that mix of decent size and some explosive ability Um, so i i think there's a good chance he'll start right away if he can pick up pass blocking in the scheme and things like that i have no idea how how he is catching the football i don't i don't don't know when he's going to graduate and show up at tech yeah i don't know if he'll graduate this december or or in the spring spring. that's not not clear but uh you know Virginia Tech is, is expecting attrition from the running back room. I assume that probably means Deshaun McLeese, too. Because the, not only have they taken Herbert, but they've taken junior college transfer Marco Lee, a 225-pound tailback. Jalen Holston's coming off a broken leg, so you never, you actually don't know how good that guy's going to be when he comes back. He's been hurt his whole career. Um, Cole Beck is f- focused on track, uh, it seems, and – and when he did come back to play football this August, he broke his collarbone. So you just don't know 
there, there's no guarantees in, in the running back room except for Kashawn King, in my opinion. Yeah, so just, it, w- it wouldn't shock me if Tech's top th- three running backs next year were Kashawn King and, and these two new guys that we just talked about. I think fans need to get used to roster churn. Yeah. You know, it's just, just kind of the way it is now. And, and um, some programs don't have it. Uh, I, th- I think a program like Virginia Tech, which is which has a good reputation, is a good program, and is looking to take that next step and get back to winning coastal championships and, you know, challenging for the ACC championship, I think you're going to see some roster churn because you're always looking at your roster going, well, that guy's not going to play, that guy's not going to play, you know, and, and – Always be bringing as many good players in as you can. So, thing about Herbert is, uh, um, he, uh, uh, let's see, where do I want to start? If you drill down into his bio, he's apparently a smart kid. You know, there's some Big Twelve honor roll stuff there. Uh, his academics are strong. Um, he uh, he basically shut his season down after four games this year and redshirted. And um, I, I think. You know, I haven't read anything. I think part of the reason he made that decision was that he was not getting the carries that another running back was getting who's the same age as him. So that, that other running back is going to be back next year. And I don't remember his name. Um, but uh, the other running back was getting about 20 carries a game, and uh, Herbert was getting about 10. Uh, well, maybe not in the four games Herbert was playing, but the other running back did wind up getting 20 carries a game for the season. So I, th- I think he kind of saw the handwriting on the wall and – um, I don't want to be this way about it, but can you blame a kid for thinking I got one more year? Let's go somewhere where they actually win football games, and and I don't mean that as an insult to Les Miles. Who knows what Les Miles is going to do is going to do with that program? But for the time being, right. unless they're playing Boston College, Kansas is not a good football team. <laughs> well, that was a big <laughs> signing there for Virginia Tech and Herbert, and uh, the recruiting this weekend. And uh, we will have you posted if there's any news, of course, on social yeah, like media. Sign- signing day is next Wednesday, yeah. so if, if I, I'm going to try to write an article tomorrow we'll see if i have time uh about this recruiting weekend because yeah. it'll, it'll be it'll be a big one for tech and and the the february window will be important too because you're going to see some new names pop up between now and then as, as virginia tech hires new coaches and things like that so and, and those new coaches bring contacts with them right and, right yeah. so uh, it wouldn't shock me if tech signed a few guys in february that you've never even heard of right now yeah so all right i think it's a good way to uh table the discussion for right now well, let's uh take our time out here on the tech sideline podcast when we come back rest of the show all about you for those watching live on facebook start dropping those questions malcolm will get to them you're listening to the tech sideline podcast presented by the fisher law firm if you have received a dui or other traffic related offense the road ahead can seem uncertain your official law firm we have a team that is with you every step of the way we have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done call anytime day or evening for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee to learn how we can help solve your problem check us out at fisherlegal.com this is jonathan fisher class of 98 let's go Hokies. Welcome back into the Tech Sideline Podcast. Malcolm Stewart, behind the scenes producing on the podcast set. 
Chris Coleman, Will Stewart. I'm Evan Hughes. It is time. I just asked uh, Malcolm during the break, do we have a lot of questions? He goes, oh, we're, we're good. So <laughs> it looks like we have a lot of people excited for questions to ask Will and Chris or comments. It could be about any sport, anything. doesn't have to be news that's going on. Really looking forward to seeing what you guys are going to ask them. And we will try to keep our answers short and get a lot of questions in. Absolutely. Uh, let's lead off with this. So I did have someone actually uh, tweet at me if he could DM me a question yesterday, and I was totally for that. So I'm going to lead off with at JPCVT on Twitter. Uh, he okay. has a question for you guys. Uh, a little bit long of a question, but I'll read the whole thing to you guys. So uh, JPCVT's question for you guys is, um, what the uh, referring to us, what the gang over there at TSL would say to the portion of the fan base that is cautious or maybe even a bit skeptical about the J-Ham promotion, mainly on account of his experience level. He's a dynamic personality, and the players really seem to respond to him, but it's a tough look... Um, it's a tough look at his experience level at the Power 5 level, both coaching and recruiting, mm-hmm. vice versa, a guy like Odom or another proven coaching commodity with, with the caveat that Odom was likely not coming here, and if so, he'd have one foot out the door. I know that Tech has a recruiting ceiling of 20 to 25th ranked classes, and maybe I'm spooked with the current 2020 class. Uh, third worst per recruit ranking in the conference, according to 24-7. But I still hope that this hire is a real jolt for the program in recruiting. This, moves places, uh, this move places a lot of faith in Hamilton's potential over proven record, and I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, so, so let me uh, – I think I can answer that one fairly quickly, and then Chris can add to it if he wants to. Uh, Chris wrote an article the other day, and I think he even talked about on the podcast there are certain guys who turned out to be great coaches who got their first uh, defensive or offensive coordinator – promotion in, in their early 30s when they were one of them Brent Venables became co-defensive coordinator at Oklahoma when he was 29 yeah and then full-time at 34 Nick Saban got his first defensive coordinator job at 32 Bill Belichick got his first defensive coordinator job at 33 yeah. so uh, the guy at Wisconsin is Justin Jim Ham- Leonard yeah Jim Leonard he's Justin Hamilton's same age as Hamilton he played in the NFL till 2014 yeah play for the Get, Jets gets hired by uh, Wisconsin is their DB's coach in 2016 and becomes their de- their defensive coordinator in 2017. So he had even less college coaching experience than Hamilton when hired as a defensive coordinator. And his defenses have finished second, 29th, and 8th in his three years. So just because a guy is inexperienced doesn't mean it's not the right hire. Yeah. You don't know unless you sit down and talk to the guy. And, and they, they, they clearly think they've got a rising star right. and, and they're supporting him with uh, Bud Foster and and I, th- I think they also – I have no inside knowledge in this. I think they also wanted Charlie to hang around as an analyst. Uh, but that, that's my guess to, uh, to also help. But uh, I, I think they're, they're back in Justin with uh, some experience to help him in game planning and things like that. And, and, I, and I still think that once this staff is fully put together, you'll see that it's a heavy slant towards recruiting. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the best ways you can support one of your coordinators is give them some, some Jimmys and Joes, as they say. So. Yeah, it's going to be a balance of – I think they'll put a couple of good recruiters around them, and Hamilton himself will be, will be a good recruiter. I also think, you know, besides Bud Foster, they're also going to hire like an old head on there, maybe a, f- a former defensive coordinator. We've heard the name Tracy Clays for linebackers coach, right. a former defensive coordinator at Minnesota right. and Washington State. He spent like 21 years coaching under Jerry Kill being his defensive coordinator yeah. and, and was an excellent defensive coordinator for Minnesota. So you get a guy on staff like that as a linebackers coach with that kind of experience. He was actually head coach at Minnesota. Yeah, after. I was about to say he took yeah, over for yeah, Kill, he took if, over for if Kill. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, wow. you're right. Um, so put a guy like that on the staff along with Bud Foster as the experienced heads and then two or three other guys on the staff that are really good recruiters along with Hamilton. And I think you – 
you, you've struck the right balance, at least theoretically. Yeah, I mean, uh, Justin Fuente, Bud Foster, and Jim Cavanaugh all, all love Justin Hamilton, and that's three pretty pretty good endorsements. Yeah, so. 100%. All right, let's turn it over to the best producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. Malcolm, I'm just going to let you take it away here. Who's leading us off with the first now, question? I, I will tell you that Malcolm's got a cold, so he's going to sound a little rough, but have at it. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, let's start with Eric Fisher. Any insights on which players will be transferring out, if any? Oh, man, we're not gonna, we don't do that. We're not going to name names. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the guys who – like Joe Kane's already put his, his uh, name in the transfer portal. He, right. He told the coaches earlier this season, and Kane handled it like you should handle it, man. He told the coaches earlier in the year and kept practicing on the scout team. Don't play but, me. Don't play me in in more than four games. You know. Well, they don't, don't want to play him at all. At all. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, and well, he and he redshirted last year anyway, so that's okay. Um, yeah. So it's one of those deals where okay, he told the coaches early, but he also felt like I'm on full scholarship this year, so I can't quit in the middle of the season. I have to hold up my end of the bargain. Yeah. So he stayed on the he stayed on the scout team the whole way through. So. Best of luck to Joe Kane. I want to I want to throw that out there because so many guys these days they they quit and then they're not even on the team for half the year yet you're paying their scholarship. That's like let, let's say I came in next August and said hey I quit. Oh I look forward to getting my direct deposit for the next four months even though I won't be working. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just not right. I don't. Uh, think, but. I will. I don't really want to name names, but I will say this. I, th- I think the diff- I think part of what was so shocking about some of the transfer portal stuff last year was was it it was guys like chris cunningham who had played a fair amount eric kuma who was a starter i don't think that kind of thing's going to happen this time around i think it's i think it's going to be the next level on the depth chart that is kind of eyeballing sideways seeing if they can play somewhere else and and the offensive lineman that we know is is transferring that's public Okay, so John Harris is an example. He's looking at the center position, and he is seeing Brian Hudson, who played there all year. He's seeing uh, Brock Hoffman Hoffman and even Zachariah Hoyt, and he's just thinking, you know, I think you're going to see more of that kind of stuff. Uh, Likely position group is running back, but we've already talked about it. Well, we've talked about how young this team is, and when there's so many guys on scholarship that are about the same age, you know, some guys are going to get phased out. That's just the way it works. So, Great question, Eric. Thank you. A uh, few people are asking for y'all's opinions on uh, new coaching hires, assistant coaches. Are there any names you can name, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. Uh, now, this search has been very tight-lipped so far. Go back to what happened the day before the UVA game when Bud Foster's speech to the team got leaked to UVA sources and got put on UVA was that Twitter. Con- that wasn't confirmed, though, was it? I'm confirming it right now. So, oh, you are? So okay. I believe oh, the sequence yeah. was that the the – Speech Bud made to the team got recorded by someone who then transcribed it and put it on Snapchat because everybody thinks, oh, I can put this on Snapchat and it'll disappear. Mm-hmm. Somebody screen caps it. It makes its way over to the UVA side of the universe. Right. Um, so they are v- being very careful over there about telling people what's going on and naming names and things like that. Um, so, yeah, we haven't heard very much. Um, I'll tell you what we have heard. We've heard... As far as cornerbacks coach goes, we've heard the name Pearson Prelo, and that's the only name I've heard. He was on the staff as a defensive assistant this past year. Um, I know he's out recruiting right now with Hamilton. There's pictures of them on Twitter. Right. So, no, no, so, no. With now with Mitchell out, we know he's the interim cornerbacks coach. So that's legal. So that's that's legal. Um, I I'm inclined to believe he will be the the, the cornerbacks coach. Um, but but I also think they're. 
they're doing their due process and and exploring other things too. But I think it's a I think it's very possible that it's Pearson Prelude who Pierce, played Pearson's, for Tech in the nineteen. Pearson's a very high energy guy. Um, uh, I remember okay. back when I used to go to the Radford Rec Center. Uh, I went in there one morning and there was there was a young guy in there. Uh, uh, I could tell he was training one of the football players for for Radford High School, and he was. He was very energetic and and very chatty and uh, and I got to look at him and I thought, wow, that that's Pearson Prelo. You know, this is early in his time at Radford, so I've, I've been around him a little bit and and there's the there's a consensus of opinion that he'd be a good recruiter. I, th- I think he can relate well to the kids and he's a high energy guy. So that uh, uh, that that would be a good hire if they if they went beyond the interim tag. Um, yeah, and Cat Cav's a guy who really likes him. Thinks he'd yeah. be a really good recruiter too. Yeah. Um, Linebackers coach, the only name we've heard is Tracy Clays, uh, the the Minnesota defensive, the old Minnesota defensive coordinator, Jerry Kill's right hand man. Um, that'd be your old head on the staff, right? Um, yeah. The former defense coordinator to help Hamilton out from that standpoint. That that'd be a really good hire. It's hard to get former head coaches and former successful coordinators just to be just position coaches, yeah. um, unless you can pay them over five hundred thousand dollars like Alabama can. You know, Tech will, won't be able to pay him that much. Uh, for the defensive line, we've heard two names. Uh, we've heard Daryl Tapp, and then there's a rumor going around about Robert Prunty, the former Hargrave head coach. Uh, he was an assistant under Tommy Bowden at Texas Tech in Cincinnati. Uh, I played against Tommy him in high school. Tommy Tuberville. Tuberville. Yeah. Who did I say? Bowden. <laughs> Tommy Tuberville. Uh, <laughs> I played against him in high school when he was a head coach at Gretna. He's from Chatham, where I'm from. Uh, so I think there, there's a possibility that one or that either him or Tap could be defensive line coach. Uh, he's the head coach at Hampton right now, by the way. Hmm. There's also a possibility, and maybe Hamp- Hampton the, University, not Hampton High School. Right. So, so there's also the possibility, and I, I, this is where we talk about. There's a lot of moving parts, and this could be why if there's been no announced decision on Adam Lechtenberg whether he's the running backs coach or not. You could hire two defensive line coaches. Right. Uh, you could have an assistant defensive line coach and a defensive line coach, or you could have a defensive tackles coach and a defensive ends coach. Uh, so it could end up you hire both those guys. And Tap is from the 757, so maybe Prunty recruits the 757 with Tap. Tap's not an experienced recruiter. Um, so maybe Prunty becomes sort of Tap's mentor. And, and Prunty goes way beyond being able to help out in the 757. He's got recruiting contacts. All over the place. All yeah. over the yeah. place. Yeah. Uh, Texas. He coached at Texas Tech for a while, right? He did. So you look at uh, Virginia Tech dipping into the state of Texas. Well, and he, was, he was head coach at Hargrave. I mean, they got kids from everywhere, of course. Yeah. You know, so back when that, they still that had guy, a program. Man, at, out of all the names I've heard thrown around, that's one that uh, that Ralph taught my head. I'm like, ooh, I'd like to have that guy. Um, that would be a recruiting boost. That Yeah, right. You, on paper, it certainly would be. Um now, if, you, if both of those guys become a position coach, in theory, Virginia Tech wouldn't – I don't believe they would have room on their staff to have both the 10th assistant and the running backs coach. Well, they would – you have 10 assistants, but you, don't, you can't fill one of those spots with just an evaluator or a recruiter like Lechtenberg has been. So if, you, so if Lechtenberg stays on the staff as an actual coach – he would have to be the running backs coach at that point. And maybe Prunty could be that 10th guy that just does nope. nothing but recruit. Uh, no, I think Prunty would be like part of the defensive line. Right. Um, he, he would fit that category of guys that want to work with the kids. Right, right. I, I would think so. You would think I mean, so. I wouldn't – I mean, he's the guy's a head coach right now. 
I mean, uh, you wouldn't think he would leave that for a recruiting position, basically. Um, so I don't know, but it's like I've said. There's just so many moving parts here. It could go in a lot of different directions. It could, they could be the hires could be a bunch of guys that we didn't just name. We're just telling you the names we've heard, and honestly, that's not a lot of names, is it? Like I said, they're being very tight-lipped about this. Yeah, you'll hear about some some of them, but you won't hear about all of them. And, and one of the problems that we encountered this with the whole uh, Barry Odom thing is you do hear a name. And you get to talking about that name. People get excited about that name. Then it's someone else, and it's a letdown for them. Right. Um, so I would caution people against uh, the names we just threw out. Don't fall in love with them, and don't get married just to them. You know what I would do if I was a fan and not or not? It wasn't put my your job. fingers in your ears and go na 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 na. Yeah, I'll come back in like three weeks and see what happened. Yeah. But this is the fun part of it, though. We don't navigate that. Pile in on the message boards and hit refresh. Don't do what I said. Good. Good question. Anybody for running backs you want to mention? I've heard no names. No. Okay. None at all. Gotcha. All right. Back to you, Malcolm. All right. <clears throat> uh, Wayne Shepard, with the rabid fan base we have, why do you think we have so much trouble getting regular donors in the Hokie Club? It seems football success is tied to money, and we are way down in the school rankings when it comes to fundraising. Everyone wants a winning team, but financially, we are at a big disadvantage. Well, we've gotten we've gotten a lot better at it, but we just we needed to go so far that, I mean, they have set their their fundraising records twice, but I I think Virginia Tech got one of the top ten programs in the country throughout the late '90s and most of the 2000s on the cheap, and it spoiled the fan base. I mean, it, I mean, Will used to be, what'd you say? You used to donate like 300 bucks, and you got to park in lot five. Yeah, at the very beginning, it, it, it like this is probably mid late nineties. I was I was at the bronze was that bronze I think yeah or maybe even the O and M level. Oh, I think it's the O and M level. And at first, yeah. I was parking in lot five, Chicken Hill, right? Yeah. Right and how much you have to park to donate Ooh, there? I think you got to be a Golden Hokey. At there least now. a Golden Hokey. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think so. You're talking at least twenty five hundred bucks a year to park there. So I don't know what the answer is to that next breakthrough. They've gone from nine thousand Hokey Club members to fourteen, fifteen, sixteen thousand. I don't know what the answer – that, that's what they call the low-hanging fruit. There are well, things they did to make that happen. They, they, yes. You know, um, and, and, and now how do you take the next step? It's so a, it's, it's, it's easy to go from bad to average or from bad to good, but going from good to great is the hardest step. Right. I mean, you see yeah. football coaches say that all the time. And, and, again, the problem is it requires a culture change, and those are difficult. Th- those know? are very, very and Chris difficult. Chris has got a favorite story he tells about talking to some Penn State I, guy I, one night. I, I know. He's, he, he's 73. He's retired. He's a great guy. He lives in Blacksburg. He's a Penn State grad. He, he couldn't tell you who their starting quarterback is or their defensive coordinator, or their offensive coordinator. But he's like, yeah, I sent Penn State my, ch- my yearly check the other day. I, I, th- I think I covered this one time. Something like 23% of living alumni at Penn State donate to the university. I'm mm-hmm. not saying the athletic program, but they donate to the university. It is in their culture. So they have the largest living alumni base in the country and a like one of the largest percentages of them donates. Right. It's a thing. They do it. It's what you do when you graduate. Yeah, it's just certainly part of their culture. That was established a long time ago, yeah. And uh, uh, sometimes cultures get established accidentally, and sometimes it's on purpose. So like when Tech started playing inner Sandman at football games, was it was it ever a plan for that to be like a long term thing? I have no idea. You'd have to ask the people that made the decision. Yeah. But it certainly caught on. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so I, I don't know. You'd you'd have to be a Penn State fan and go way back to to know how that culture got started there. But you know, I, I think that on the whole, Virginia Tech. 
a whole lot of things lined up right for Virginia Tech in, in the late 90s and early 2000s, and they got a top 10 program on the cheap. And when you get something without having to work hard for it, and I'm not saying the coaches and players didn't work hard. I'm right. saying the fan base didn't have to work hard for it from a monetary standpoint. When you get something really good that you didn't have to work hard for, it spoils you. So I, I think that's part of the issue, too. Yeah, culture changes are, changes are difficult, and I think there's going to be some changes in the leadership of the Hokie Club. You know, Bill Lanson is no longer uh, in that position. So we'll see where it goes from here. I, I don't have the answers. If I did, I'd be running the Hokie Club. <laughs> <coughs> Uh, Mark Simmons asks if the VT 2021 recruit recruiting class is not in the top 25 is it another recruiting failure oh to me it's not about the rankings it's I, I trust our staff as evaluators uh, so to me it's about if they get enough of their top targets whether it's a three-star guy or a five-star guy Wisconsin never signs a top 25 class yet they win 10 games every year uh, we sign higher we we Virginia Tech signs <laughs> higher ranked classes than Wisconsin every single year ever almost this year they won't but almost just about every other single year Virginia Tech's recruiting classes rank higher than Wisconsin's on the whole over the last decade whose players would you rather have Wisconsin's or Tech's over the last decade. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, so I, to me, it's more about I, I can tell who our top targets are. Do we do a good job, a good enough okay. job with those with those top targets? Like, like Narelle Pollard was a top target. He was a three-star recruit, but he was one of our top defensive tackle targets, and so was Mario Kendricks, and we got them both. So they might not have elevated our recruiting class rankings, but, boy, aren't you glad we got them? Yeah, and, and, and in the 2020 class, you, you may recall some of the names, Chris, uh, the um, the guys that Tech wanted early, a lot of them they committed did not somewhere get, else early. Exactly, yeah, right. Yeah, um, and, and sometimes those guys help your recruiting rankings. This year they would have. Uh, sometimes they don't. Um, so to me – it's not – I don't really care whether the class is 20th or 35th. It's just did Virginia Tech get a high enough percentage – I don't know what that percentage is. Did they get a high enough percentage of their priority recruits? Yep. And, so, and, so, and that's not reflected in the rankings. It's so, not necessarily. So you have to really follow it closely. You have to follow it closely at the end. And, and honestly, there, there are guys – when that quarterback from Virginia Beach committed to TCU and he was listed with a Virginia Tech offer because Zon Burden gave him an offer that that when he was a freshman. Yeah. And, you know, by the time he was a junior and he was still only 160 pounds, that was not an offer. But since Tech offered him when he was a freshman, it stuck. So when he chose TCU, he said, I forgot the kid's name already. I, but, I don't remember yeah, his name uh, either. But – so-and-so who committed to Tcu over Virginia Tech and blah 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 and it just ma makes tech look bad really. and, and you and, you, and your average fan yeah. looks at that and says what's wrong with our recruiting uh, that was a burden problem and I think it's one of the reasons he's not here he was offering guy and he didn't this wasn't an intentional thing he, his heart was in the right place he wanted to get Virginia Tech a toehold in the 757 yeah. so he started offering 155 pound freshman and they wouldn't grow and tech would have to rescind the offer a couple years later which made tech look bad and so i think he did more harm than good uh and but if you're your average fan who might not pay detailed attention to recruiting they just read commitment updates and stuff and they see i think the, i think it was keontae jenkins keontae okay. Jen jenkins picks tech over uh 
picks TCU, TCU over, tech. over Tech. And then Tech offered Devin Hunter's little brother, right? Where's he going? Liberty. Yeah. So it says, forget his first name, but Devin Hunter's little brother picks Liberty. Picks Liberty. Over. All, also had offers from Virginia Tech and blah, blah, blah. Well, no, he didn't. And it just, and it just makes Tech look bad. And I, it makes them look bad to the fan base because most of the fan base doesn't pay attention to recruiting. No, but they, they see an the article headlines. They see an article that says this guy had a Tech offer and now As he's at Liberty. As they're scrolling through Facebook right, or getting right. their Google News alerts, they right. see this. Yeah, so it's just... So you have to think about things like that. It's 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 not building up goodwill in the fan base, and, and it's not not the fans' fault because not everybody pays attention to recruiting. I don't know how much I'd pay attention to it if I was a fan. Um, <clears throat> that was a long. Anyway, answer. it's a long answer. Yeah. We need to move on to the next yep. question. Good thoughts, but yeah, <clears throat> I need. I'm gonna try and get as many questions as we can. Right, uh, Curtis Hill. This one's kind of long. Does Tech need to build a football-only operations building? Yes. <laughs> I don't think we need water slides and mini golf courses and all that, but a building that houses coaching offices, recruiting yes. offices, analyst offices, weight room, training room, etc. Sounds like Purdue has football-only buildings, and even yes. Rutgers has said they will look into building one as part of Shiano's new contract. Yes. North, Northwestern <laughs> has a, a beach resort. A two hundred fifty million, million dollar lakefront, lakefront, uh, lake. What is that lake? Lake Michigan, right on Lake Michigan. So the two months out of the year, you can go to the beach in Chicago. They have a beach right outside of their football only facility. You know, you know, Virginia That's Tech's crazy. got some good facilities. Uh, one of the things that is, and Chris and I were talking about this yesterday. Uh, the one of the things that is not talked about anymore is is the nice dorms that the freshman athletes can live in. Virginia Tech started losing recruits five, six, seven years ago because other other universities. Florida State had dorms like that that you know they could persuade some highly rated players, <laughs> Josh Sweat, to you know to, to sign with them because they were going to live in a cushy dorm when they were a freshman. Well, Tech's building one of those dorms. It's I think it's like a 550 bed dorm, and uh, all hundred and some freshman athletes will live in that dorm. That's an example of a nice facility that uh, that Virginia Tech's going to have that they previously hadn't had. They're doing the whole Student Athlete Performance Center, which is a nutrition center. They're upgrading Merriman. But, uh, so I don't, I don't think the Virginia Tech brass agrees with me on this, but uh, everybody else has a really nice $50 million and up football building that's dedicated just to football. And it is not about the water slides or the or the nap rooms or the or the mini golf course. It's about having adequate room for your entire staff, including your recruiting support staff, mm-hmm. however, however many of those guys you want to hire, and a place. If you just like Google NC State, Google South Carolina, and just look at when you walk into those things, you you have a wow factor. When you walk in the front of Merriman, you do not have a wow factor. You have, you have Virginia Tech logo on the wall in front of you. It's it's just so that's that's kind of where I land on it. I I think they do. And oh, where are you going to put it? I don't care. Find a place to put it. You know, I could spend a whole podcast yammering on and on and on about this. The short answer is yes. Well, in, a, in, a, in one of his interviews a couple of years ago with the media, and I don't remember the question, but I remember the answer. Uh, but the question was about recruiting. I just don't remember the context. But I remember Fuente saying. We don't have the space or the staff to have huge recruiting weekends. Well, um, there you go. So, so if you want to hire, and I don't know if that was firing a shot across Whip Babcock's bow or if he was just answering honestly without even, you know, really thinking about it. But uh, he said, yeah, we don't have the space or the staff. And they don't have the space to put the staff right now. 
Like, they don't have any more office space over there if they wanted to hire more recruiting staff because that building was built in the 1990s with 1990s specifications in mind. Yeah, um, so if you want me to be sassy about it, my question is, do you want to be behind in facilities relative to your peer programs? Then sure, don't build a football building and you'll be behind. A reminder for those that are watching on Facebook Live, uh, we are answering your questions and comments. Drop them in the uh, comment section and we're going to continue to answer them. Malcolm? <clears throat> Uh, Rick Rickert, hmm. uh, will we contend for the Coastal title next year? What other teams do you see seriously competing for it? Tucker probably picked to win the Coastal next year. Yeah, and Carolina is going to be. I was about to say Carolina is going to be. Carolina, I think will be picked one and two. One and two. Yeah, uh, Carolina on paper is the top competition. You never know what Miami's going to do. They they might decide to beat the pants off Tech next year. I mean, you, I mean, and then lose to to. Duke the lose next to week. Pitt, lose to yeah, Duke. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Duke's uh, going to run up a 15-game winning streak on Miami. Oh, man. That, that's just how Miami rolls. But, yes, on paper, Virginia Tech, number one, North Carolina, number two, I think, is probably how we'll see the voting go. That's before we know who's transferring from what schools and who's entering the All NFL right, draft yeah. from what schools. But right now, I would guess Tech first and Carolina second mm -hmm. would be the preseason voting. And, and I think the voting will be fairly close because yeah. uh, Sam Howell is an impressive is, player. And tell you what, think about when he – I mean, he'll of course, Lawrence will be dominating the headlines, of course, next year yeah. for Clemson. But, I mean, Howell, when he leaves North Carolina, he could be a first-round pick. He's got the raw – the intangibles, the tools – He's, I think he's. I think he's better than Trubisky. <laughs> Bears <laughs> fans would agree. <laughs> Sore subject for Bears fans. Now? <laughs> uh, good, so good question. Answer that question. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Robbie Hoops. Any insight on increasing the assistant coach's salary pool and/or increasing the support and recruiting staff? Well, well no, as no, far no. as increasing the support and recruiting staff. We just answered. There's there's, no a, there, there's there's an office space issue. Uh, I mean, they, they could they could start setting desks up outside some offices and stuff like that. I'm I'm being serious. There's just not a lot of room over there. Yeah. I, I haven't gone up and down every floor in the Merriman counting the number of offices and how many of them are filled and everything like that. But I do know the room that is set aside. For, I mean, basically the Tech's old recruiting office was a, a very large broom closet and they fit three people in there. Uh, I, I've seen and, that closet. Yep. And now it's sorry room. Not the, a couple of years ago, they ripped out a study lounge, a player study lounge, and made it the new recruiting office. And they spent thousands of dollars on. It. They spent a lot of money on it, and it's really nice. But even now, you go in there, and it's like, how many more people can they fit in here? It's a cubicle. Right. Right. Up. Right. Exactly. So, yes, I, I don't. I don't know how many more staff members are in the cards. Because I just don't know if they have the space. And what was the first part of the question? Um, I, th I think that was. That oh was, no, no, no uh, more money for for coaching yeah. staff. Yeah. So so two years ago, you know the I don't remember what years we're talking about. Two years ago, Virginia Tech three and ran three million in the red. The most recent year for which we have financial records, they ran five million in the they black. Ran, they ran in the red for two straight years, and then and then in the black and then in the black. Year. So. Uh, you know, we've talked about how Hamilton will probably work for half a million a year as opposed to Bud's one million, and that might create some flexibility. That will either go towards your your assistant coaching staff. Maybe you'll be able to hire a guy. You know, Chris keeps saying well, you can't pay a guy half a million bucks. Maybe Virginia Tech will if they find maybe the they right will. guy that can really add a lot to the staff. Maybe they'll pay that much for him. Yeah, it's hard to say, uh, and we don't know what. Justin Hamilton's contract is going to look like. Yeah. I do. They're not going to pay an assistant, a regular assistant, hire more than their defensive coordinator, though. Right. 
So, I mean, yeah. I wouldn't agree. Uh, Justin Hamilton is not an egotistical guy by any stretch, but if 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 they decided, if I were Justin Hamilton and they decided to pay my defensive line coach more than me, I would have a problem with that. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> so so we'll see. Um, we, we don't know Tech's financial situation. We know they just had to invest millions this past summer over the on the infrastructure for the ACC network. Yeah. We don't know anything about ACC network numbers. And they, how they, much they, money. they bragged about how many people have access to it, but there's been no mention of what's the actual fee those people are paying. In SEC the, country, they're paying close to a buck a month for right, SEC Right, what network. are we playing, what, a what nickel? I mean, you know, what are they paying, 20 cents? Right, uh, and, and I don't know anything about market shares or anything like that, but the earlier you start a network, the better, because let, let's say your average Joe has 100 channels when, when the SEC network starts. Okay. And now the average Joe has 200 channels now that the ACC network starts. So it's, it's less of a chance that your average person is going to sit down and watch a, an ACC game. Yeah, the, there's more options these the days. The business term is either first to market or early to market. Right, right, you know, exactly. And, 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 and the ACC was neither, obviously. So right. I, I, I got, there's two reasons, could be two reasons why they haven't announced anything financially yet, the ACC. Either the, it's still too early to know exactly, and, and maybe the checks really haven't started rolling in, or they're too embarrassed to say. Have you seen the commercials that run on the ACC network? No, I don't network? get the ACC network. I well, have it, it, It's rhetorical, <laughs> but they're, they're, the, they're the commercials you typically see past midnight on most channels. Right. You know? uh, so, I, I, so I don't know what Virginia Tech has budgeted for the ACC network. I, I, uh, think, or, I think they I think. They have, uh, I believe, if I've heard through the grapevine, that they the initial estimates are five million a year. Yeah, so. well, we'll see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard, it's hard to tell exactly what they can do until because I, I don't know what their financial situation is. Uh, no. When we see these staff salaries come out, and then in May, you know, uh, we'll we'll have a financial report on last year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think over the next six months we'll have a clearer picture. Of where tech is financially, yeah. but uh, so next question. Yeah. Let's move on. Uh, Derek Mosks asked thoughts on the rumors of Robert Prunty coming on staff. Uh, we we already we touched already on that. Yeah. Um, he he's a guy that uh, man that I I think that'd be a home. My gut feel is um, I, I don't I don't follow Robert Prunty's career, but my gut feel is that that would be a home run hire for recruiting. Um, um, I, I played against his Gretna teams and. Uh, uh, you know, you played against certain teams back then. Like, you played against Martinsville, you played against Brookville, and those were big, tough, physical football teams that you really didn't want to play. You never you never got that feeling when you played Gretna. At least mm-hmm. I didn't. I never felt like I was physically overmatched against Gretna. But somehow they would win just about every game they played, and when you left the field you could tell they were well coached. Hmm. Now, that doesn't necessarily translate to him being a great – elite position coach for Virginia Tech, but I, I know the man knows football very well and has a lot of connections in the state. Um, so I'd, 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 be, I'd be okay with that hire um, if, if it happens. Uh, I, th- I certainly think it's, I think it's a possibility. Um, I don't know if it'll be like him and Tap or just Prunny or, or – like I would say there's a, lot, there's a lot of moving parts. But I, w- I would like that hire. I'll, I'll answer the question that way. I'd like that hire. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, I've seen it on a lot of podcasts in the past, and it got asked today, but uh, do you guys want to talk about the Texas to VT movement in recruiting? I'm going to try to write something about that tomorrow. But uh, Virginia Tech has an assistant 
He's, he doesn't coach a position, although I assume right now he's interim defensive line coach. Bo Davidson, he played defensive end for North Texas, I think. He's from Katy, Texas, and played for that powerhouse program down there. And uh, he's responsible for all the Texas connections that, that are going on right now, yeah. even though he can't recruit off campus. Although I guess he can right now. If he's interim defensive he's line interim, coach, yeah. He, yeah. Can, he, can go, he can go down and, and recruit those guys right now. But I think it's big that they're all 2020 recruits and Tech's getting the last visit for all of them. Now, I wish Tech had a defensive line coach already hired because that would be tough for some of those guys, like especially Alec Bryant, four-star kid, former LSU commit. He's got a ton of offers. You can either pick a closer school who's already has a defensive line coach or you could pick a school further away that has no defensive line coach. Yeah. Or maybe Virginia Tech will have a defensive line coach hired by this weekend. I, they'd probably like to. Um, so, again, a lot of moving parts there, but – Bo Davidson has done a great job getting those wheels in motion for all these Texas guys. I think um, – I mean, I, I like it. I think you need to be um, – let me let me gather my thoughts here. I, I think that in some areas of the country, participation in football is declining, and, and the recruiting hotbeds of the past are, are no longer. But there are states where it's still a religion, Georgia, Florida, California, Texas – um, there's a lot of football players in Texas, and man, you you want to one of the neat things about uh, about Texas football is um, in in some areas it's hard to get highlights of, of players. You will have no shortage of I don't know if he, if he pronounces it Demetrius because he spells it that way or Demetrius. I'll call him Demetrius Davis, the quarterback they've got committed for 2021 out of the the Houston area. Um, I think near Katie. Um, yeah, I think they're rivals with Katie. Holy cow! Google that guy's name and highlights. We were watching some yesterday. Was it their most recent game? It was a state playoff game. Uh, yes, the, I think. It was yeah, they most scored seventy-two game. points or something like that. I was like seventy-two to forty-six on the last score. So, Holy. so also keep in mind that when Virginia Tech is recruiting these Texas defensive players, they don't play a lot of defense in Texas these days. So you got to be very careful with that. Yeah. Now, now he he looks like he looks like a playmaker, but of course the defenses are kind of absent. Um, so just to kind of sum up how I feel about Texas recruiting, pick your spots. Mm-hmm. I think loading your team down with Texas recruits doesn't necessarily – high, Highly th- touted Texas recruits. Hasn't gotten Texas A&M in Texas much recently. I think offensively it. it's hard to go wrong. I think right. defensively you need to pick uh, your agreed. spots. You Baylor's know. got the best defense in Texas with the lowest rated recruits, right? Right. So one of the reasons that Virginia Tech was so successful with, with Florida players back in the 90s was they were getting the second-level guys that weren't getting the offers from Miami, uh, right, Florida right. State, and Florida. TCU's another other great example. T- I've run these articles for TSL – or run these numbers for TSL pass articles for everybody that wants to sign a top-20 class or whatever that thinks recruiting rankings are, are the be-all be all and end-all. Right. TCU used to sign recruiting uh, classes ranked between 70 and 90. And they all had top ten defenses with those guys. Then they started recruiting better. They started recruiting a higher caliber of player in the state of per Texas the when, when they when they joined the Big Twelve for the recruiting classes. And now they can't play defense. Right. So, so you, you, you got to recruit to your culture and not necessarily with the rankings. Like, like uh, I don't know how they. Never mind. I don't even want to. Yeah, talk we about let, that. let's go yeah. to the next uh, <laughs> next question. Yep. Good one. Thank you for allowing us to address yes. that. Uh, Dave DeCerbo, would you favor dropping some of the lesser sports and giving that money uh, to help fund what football needs? I, I, I can't say that I that, – that, that's as a human being, I, I, can't, I couldn't sit down with anybody and say we're dropping sports. But I, I do think 
I don't think that'll happen at Tech. Uh, Whit Babcock was very clear when he was hired that he was given the mandate of the student-athlete experience. I mean, or he's that, a former that's student his athlete viewpoint. Himself. I don't, I don't his, think that mandate was given to him. I, 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 I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe they hired him based on that mandate. I don't know. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I don't think I'd do it either. But that's but, not the question. The question is, would you favor it? Would I favor it? If, if they randomly did it tomorrow, depending on the sport, uh, I'd be like, it's not that so much I'd favor it, is I'd write an article saying, okay, here's how much money we spent on that sport, and here's how we could use it. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I'll answer it this way. If I was building an athletic department from the ground or, up, right, right. I would very carefully calculate, okay, you, your, your money makers are football and men's basketball. They, are a, they require a certain number of resources or a certain number of scholarships. And then I would build out the rest of my athletic department. you got to have baseball, so you need to lump that in there as well and women's basketball and i'd build out the rest of my programs based on uh, i don't want to use the word cheap but just what makes the most sense financially and facilities wise mm-hmm. to support this core group of programs right like like i i would do i would do soccer and lacrosse because they can all share the same facilities right that you don't have to thing. build two different yeah. sets of facilities yeah. for them uh men's and women's golf because they can share the same facilities right uh yeah, so stuff like that, money-saving measures. Uh, now, I, w- I will say that um, probably the only disagreement I've had with Whit Babcock as far as anything he's done as athletic director is how much he pays women's basketball coach, baseball coach, things like that. I think they're paying Kenny Brooks like $600,000 a year now. Right. And I, I just don't see how uh, – I'm not saying Kenny Brooks isn't a good coach. I'm not saying I don't want to be good in women's basketball or anything like that. But to me, you pay women's basketball coach two hundred fifty to three hundred thousand, and that extra three hundred thousand goes to football staff. And then the more right. successful, and it's a Clemson model. It's a Clemson we openly model. admit it. Right, right. You you pour all of your efforts into football, and as football gets better and improves, then the revenue in your athletic department, the donations improve, and it trickles down to the rest of the programs. Right. And Clemson has recently started up a softball program. They built a brand new like ten million dollars softball yeah. facility right. yeah. because they're that rolling in football. That money. would not have been possible without the football money. Right. So appreciate it, Dave. Yep. Hmm. <clears throat> Getting a call from Radford. Anyway. Uh, Ronnie Adams with Alabama out. Does this start the eight team? Does this start the eight team playoff? Because <laughs> everybody wants Alabama uh, to be in it. That's funny. Uh, you know, uh, I figure it'll go to that model at some point. Um, the money. I, I think I, honestly, in my opinion, like some of the bowl games are going to dry up. You look at attendance for bowl games, and and I don't even watch bowl games. I don't know how many people. Watch I, I bowl used to love. Watching I used to watch bowl, bowl games, games and I don't but know. now you got guys sitting out bowl games, and they all seem like a crapshoot, and you don't even know what. And team you never cares know when you get doesn't. East Carolina and Marshall and, and sixty to sixty something. But I right, don't right. care. Anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't watch any of them anymore. I don't. Uh, so I think as bowl games become minimized, I th- I think that we'll eventually shift to an eight game playoff uh, or eight team playoff. Um, I don't think it will have to do with it with Alabama not making it this year. You know what's funny? I've been so busy since Sunday. And when I was getting coffee this morning, the guy behind the counter asked, so what do you think about the playoffs? And I'm like, who's in it? Yeah, that's what I asked him. I'm like, you know, I hadn't even looked because Justin Hamilton was hired on Sunday. Tech's bowl matchup came out on Sunday. You know, I work most of the day on Sunday and then – it's been nonstop all week, and I, have, I haven't even looked at bowl So the matchups. funny thing is I can tell you because I was watching the ACC network. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm becoming a little bit, bit more disconnected from college football as a whole because I can now watch the ACC network where they talk about ACC football and not the playoffs. Alabama. Now, they did get to talking about the playoffs, and that's why I know who's in it because it's uh, number one is LSU, number two is Ohio State playing number three Clemson. So there was a lot of talk about that. And then number four Oklahoma. is Oklahoma. Yeah. You guys weren't watching so over the weekend know, so excited about the know. opportunities of Baylor or Oklahoma. So I, I was I was all in. Uh, here's what I, I will so I'll chime in on this. I like the four team college football playoff. And actually freshman year I made a project for a class how I thought it should expand to eight. But I think the bottom line with four is you get the four best teams and like, think about this. There's this huge discussion right now about how Clemson, Ohio State, LSU are head over heels better than Oklahoma at four yeah. as a team. Like I know it might be more exciting per se, but in, in, for people that want the eighteen playoff, look at the Big Twelve championship. You had number seven Baylor and number five, number six Oklahoma. All right, so yeah. that's that's basically a quarterfinal, that, right? That's a, that's a good point. Uh, yeah. So I. I just don't and see it was Georgia the, and LSU and the SEC, right? right? And that was like a quarterfinal You're itself. Right. It, it's the Pac-12, and, and yeah, the Pac-12. Was good. If yeah, Utah Pac- won, they probably would have been in over Oklahoma, but Oregon won. So, to me, I just don't like. Do we actually think? Okay, so if you look at it right now, I think the number eight team is Florida or Purdue. Correct me if I'm wrong. Do we really think that Purdue or Flo- I'm sorry, not, not Purdue, Purdue. What am I saying? Sorry, Florida, or Penn State. Right. Do we really think Florida, or Penn State's going to beat LSU one to eight? Really think that or? I just well, I think the four teams. I, 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 no, I don't. I don't get to watch much college football during the season these days. But I did watch Florida LSU this year, and that was a hell of a football. Oh, it was a four? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, it's a great game. So right. maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe there are people saying that. I'm, I think that just the, the the four is. But I think to your point about the whole bowls being dried up, or that is a, that is a real concern. It, I, I feel like the. The aura of the Sugar Bowl and the it's not the same as it was maybe ten years well, ago. So I think that's a good point that I, could lead to an. Expansion. I don't know anybody who's going to Charlotte for the Belk Bowl. Nobody's hit me up and said, "Yo, want to go to Charlotte?" Going. And what? that's an easy trip for Tech fans. Um, so yeah, I, I just I, I I just think there's not that much interest in bowl games anymore. Uh, I mean, I like Virginia Tech and Tennessee for the Gator Bowl in 1994 in Gainesville, Florida, got like. What did I say in an article the other day? 54,000 or something like that. Virginia Tech and Oklahoma State in Orlando got like 38,000. Yeah. So like not, not not as many people are going to bowl games th- these days, even in good weather places. Um, and, and again, it's, it's no different than like regular regular games. I mean, you, you, you can, you can mm-hmm. sit there and say, you know, why would I go to the game? I got HDTV. And 20 years from now, we're going to be saying, why would I go to the game? I got my VR set. You know? So that's that's just that's the way things are trending, and and so you 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 wonder how much bowl games will be worth after a while, and 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 whether they'll like I don't even know how the quick lane bowl stays in business. Yeah, bowl games are worth what what ESPN's willing to pay right. to, to broadcast. Them. Right. So sure. next question. Uh, <coughs> man, Owen Poole asks: Do you see any of VT's key players sitting out during the Belk Bowl? I don't think so. Um, yeah, I mean, you never know. Um, but how, how many of how many of our how many of Tech's players are going pro this year? All right, not, none of the seniors, all, all four of them or whatever. None of the seniors are getting drafted, and like there's there's more of a chance in Ryan Willis slips in the, goes to slips up to like the seventh round mm-hmm. than there is anybody else That's getting drafted. Just, just based on arm talent alone. But he's not playing, so he's not going to set out the bowl game. Um, there's a chance Hazelton could declare. We've heard, 
So if there's any candidate, he, he's actually out, the name that went through my mind. If, if there's any candidate to sit out the ball game, I would think it would be it, it, it would, would be, be Damon, Damon Hazelton. Hazelton. Yeah. Um, even if Farley declared, I still think he'd play in the ball game. Uh, he's from Southern North Carolina. He'd have a lot of family there, and and I and I, plus I I think highly of Farley personally. So I, I just think he's the type of guy who would still play in it, even if he did declare. So I think that's a good answer. Yeah. Good short answer. Uh, Derek Moss asks if Lechtenberg, Lechtenberg Lechtenberg stays at running back coach. What about Bo Davidson taking the ten spot and doing Lex's job? That's 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 a possibility. It's an intriguing that, that, possibility. That, that's an intriguing Keep possibility. Keep tapping into Texas, buddy. Keep tapping into Texas. Uh, yeah, who would have ever thought the possibility existed that Virginia Tech would have a uh, Texas specialist on their recruiting staff? Right. I'm telling you, it's it's strange. Remember when like almost how many. The tech quarterbacks, let's start with the ball streak, 1993. How many of them were from Virginia? All right, DeShazo was from Virginia. Drucker Miller was from Pennsylvania. Clark was from D.C., which is very close to Virginia. Right. Vic was from Virginia. Randall was from Virginia. Grant Knoll was from just West Virginia, real close. West Virginia. Uh, Marcus Vick was from Virginia. Glennon was from Virginia. Tyrod. Tyrod was from Logan Virginia. Thomas. Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas was from Virginia. Virginia. Michael Brewer was, was from Texas. Texas. Uh, yeah. Gerard Evans was from Texas. Uh, so we had back-to-back Texas quarterbacks. Josh Jackson's from Michigan. Uh, Josh Jackson from Michigan. Ryan Willis is from Kansas or uh, somewhere yeah, out there. Yeah, he's Kansas, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hooker's from North Carolina. Hooker's from North Carolina. I, I will say this, state of Virginia is not producing quarterbacks. Well, not like it used to. Um, so, but, you know, I mean, down in, down in Texas, they're producing quarterbacks. Yeah. And this is another podcast for another time. You know, high school football in the state of Virginia as a whole, as someone who just came from covering it, especially in high school, it's not the same. Like, hearing stories about the 90s, now that there's not good talent in Virginia, but it's, it's just not the same. So, yeah, let me share a story with you. I was looking at some old TSL Extra archives, which is stuff we produced back in the very early 2000s, and there is an issue I did. We It was a, it was a monthly thing. It was like an e-magazine. Mm-hmm. There was an issue where we covered the high school all-star game that Marcus Vick played in. Just phenomenal talent all over the field. The kids back then used to play in that all-star game. And I don't even know. The games barely exist now. And Nobody wants to play because they're there's one in, the, uh, You've got the, the, the Big River rivalry in Richmond. There's a 7-5-7 one, but it's not like. There's a bunch of kids well, you've never It used heard to be of. an East or versus West game. A um, lot of bad blood. The, all the, the star players, players are playing the best players it. from the West. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Great stuff. And. And that doesn't happen anymore. So that's one example of how things have changed. Uh, we are right about an hour right now. So Malcolm, maybe take one let's or let's squeeze a few more. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. I've got we'll enough. do. We'll do one more. Uh, Tim Wisman asks, "What is just what is Tech's ceiling for next year? How good can we be?" And football. I'm right. assuming. I would, uh, if everything, absolutely everything, falls right, they can go eleven and one. Uh, I would agree with that. I, I think wow. the over under is nine and a half. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Provided no major injuries, um, no, I don't think there'll be any important portal departures. And I think they're benefiting from the the portal with the running back yeah, got out of, sure. with, with Herbert. Um, that's where I'd put it. Uh, let's see. You know, Penn, Penn State's a difficult uh, road to hoe. Uh, you'll, you'll probably get a loss from somewhere like, I'm, I'm sorry, folks, but, you know, Carolina, Miami, you'll, you'll you know, I'd, I'd put the over under at nine and a half. I think a lot of people would optimistically bet the over on that one, but I, I think Chris is right. I think the I think the ceiling is eleven and one. 
yeah. in the regular season. Which is an I would take that ceiling. <laughs> Sounds good to Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, would that be the first time Virginia Tech has won? No, they went eleven and zero in ninety nine. Yeah, I was and, gonna say. and ten and one and it's 2000. twelve that they've never won in one. If season. they had beaten Kansas in the Orange Bowl, they would have got to twelve wins and set a program record. What was the name of that Kansas coach? Mark Mangino. Mark yeah, Mangino. Where is he Akeem now? Tlaib. And that that guy put that guy put together a team that had just they just had it that year. You know, and let's leave that's, it at that. That's my yeah. least favorite game. In we, we don't need to get Anyway, let's, let's go. I won't bring up the uh, those helmets down there. Let's do the another, Malcolm. You got another yeah. one? Or Evan, you got one off the message boards? Mm, let me see if I can't hunt one down. Uh, in the meantime, Leo Monroe asks, serious question, is the U back? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Leo. <laughs> um, they're, they're back on a per-game basis. They're never back on a season <laughs> yeah, basis, sure. you know. Um they, they 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 continue to have quarterback problems. They got to find a quarterback. Okay, here, here's a uh, here's a uh, basketball question because we have had literally every single question is okay. football. So here's one from the message boards. Looking at this is from uh, VT. This is VT Ox. VT Ox one is Ox that him VT. on the message boards? No, VTOX one. Okay, VT. Okay, not uh, Ox VT, but VTOX. Looking at ACC now that non-conference games are winding down and Virginia Tech seemingly is ahead of schedule in development according to Coach Mike Young. How do we stack up against the rest of the conference teams? I.e., what teams do we appear to be better than? Which on par with, and which a real stretch slash upset for us to us? Well, we we did see, uh, you and I went through the schedule the other day, and and we we see the losses as Louisville, UNC, Duke, Virginia, Virginia. Yeah, I said Virginia. Yeah. Well, twice. Twice. Oh, I just mean on a per team. He asked oh, on a per oh. team basis, not on a per game basis. Yeah. And then I think Virginia Tech is is at their best. Oh, go ahead. I'm going to cut it. I'm sorry. We do have some news on Twitter. Um, okay. Sorry to cut this from Andy Bitter, who was down in the covering the Belk Bowl press conference. Oh, he actually went down there. Huh? He did. Uh, and this is a tweet from Bitter six minutes ago. I apologize to break in, but it does kind of go with what we're talking about today. Fuente confirms Adam Lechtenberg will coach running backs going forward. Says it will open up another defensive position on staff. <laughs> In addition to cornerback slash safety split, VT will split up a second position group. Hokies will not use an assistant spot to fill Lechtenberg's player development role. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So they could split up the defensive line. Um, I don't think – are you going to split up mics and backers? It's got to be uh, the DL. It's got to be the defensive line. Unless there's some kind of dramatic system change coming, which I don't think there is. Right. Um, so it's got to be the defensive line. So that could be that could mean Prony as defensive line coach, Tap as assistant defensive line coach, or defensive ends and defensive tackles, or something like that. So so okay. That, so now we see some uh, some pieces falling into place. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry to cut you off there. I thought this was uh, big news moving forward to the end here. It invalidates part of the. Uh podcast but that's okay we love breaking news but we uh, it doesn't necessarily invalidate it because we did talk about if you want to keep lechtenberg that means by by moving him to running backs coach you can do that so interesting that it appears he's going away from the pure recruiting assistant so evaluation Mm -hmm. guy right yeah right so but we so uh where were we? we were talking about basketball basketball and so so just there there are I'm not going to say Tech is better than anybody because on on Tech's worst night, every team in the league can beat them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you and I did go down the schedule, and teams like 
again, without seeing a lot of ACC you basketball. You've got the Wake Forest, Wake Forest. The Boston College. Yep. Um, here. You and I broke it down, and, and it, with the 18 remaining 10. games, we saw 8 to 10 50-50 Let's do this with Chris. I'm, I'm uh, going to name off the ACC okay, slate. Okay, no, 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 no. You're, you're talking to a guy, first of all. I've seen – I've watched two other ACC teams play this year, Clemson and Duke. I can't name one single player for Georgia Tech or Louisville or anybody. Like, I, I don't I don't have time to follow it, right? Good point. So, I have no idea about so, any of this. So, I'll answer it this way, and then we can leave the question. The, the four teams I listed, Louisville, Duke, UNC, and Virginia, I think are all clearly ahead of Virginia Tech. I think on any given night, Tech can beat any of the others. I'm not going to say Tech is better than any of the others because they're just so young. Um, so I think they're the better than Wake Forest. That's my guess, simply because Danny Manning probably is Wake Forest. Probably, yeah. Um, so, good chance they're better than Boston College too. So it'd be interesting to look at the schedule and see if Mike Young at any point has a week to prepare for Wake Forest. Right. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> Pow. So, yeah. So I don't know. I know Tech plays Chattanooga tonight, and Chattanooga's point guard is named. Maurice Commander. Yeah, isn't that nice? What a great name for a point guard. Right. So Are you going to be there for the uh, 8.30 tip? I will be yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right so well, that was a great question for basketball. I'm, I'm Malcolm, you have anything else you want to add here before we wrap well, up? He's got to retrieve his mic. He had already <laughs> checked out. <clears throat> we did just get one from uh, – Scott McCarty, who from Kentucky might not play in the bowl game because we didn't discuss that yet. Uh, their quarterback that, that, is going to play. They he's, were saying, he's declared he, for the draft, right. but he is going to play. play. Good yeah. for him. Other than that, we don't know. So I looked at his numbers from the Louisville game, like one, like you talked about, but still like one of two passing. For four but, yards. But then like 28 carries for 200-plus <laughs> yards. How I was do like, they do that when, when, you, when you know that's all? The, and it's not like they're running the triple option. I used to understand how Georgia Tech would do it to some teams, but, but it – it's an intriguing matchup. Yeah. I'm so anyway, that that's uh that's all I have heard is that that there was that quarterback was kind of in play, but apparently he has declared, uh, but he's going to play. And honestly, man, or is he a senior and doesn't need to declare? I don't know. Well, he's a junior. Okay. Um, who knows what's going to happen in this bowl game? Uh, you, you never know which groups of players care about the bowl game the yeah, most. Yeah. Um, Tech has so many coaching staff. A ton changes, of turmoil. Right? You know. Yeah. But at the same time, you think Bud Foster wants to lose his last game? No, I'm sure he's going into it full full tilt. Yeah. You know, once the stat, once they begin preparation for the bowl and every and everything. Um, so I have no idea. I I could see Virginia Tech going down there and stomping Kentucky. I could actually I could see Kentucky stomping Virginia Tech too. I could see any any outcome to this game. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's put a bow on the podcast. That was Alrighty. we had a, it, we were pulled in a lot of different direction there. Really good yeah. questions. Um, yeah, that's. That was fun. You guys have talked about doing that for a while. That was a ton of fun. Thank you to everybody. Thank you to Malcolm for uh, being extra awesome today, as always. Appreciate you. And, uh, yeah, that'll put a bow. Any uh, any departing words before we sign off? Nope. No, we said just said a lot of words. I got nothing left. We did. I'm Chris? Out. I'm out of breath. Yeah. I've got one more question for you. Okay. What's coming up on <laughs> TSL this week? The rest of the week. Uh, here's, the, all right, here's the problem with the <laughs> podcast. Okay? The only problem with the podcast. Like, there's a basketball article I need to write, but I've already said everything in the podcast, and I can't bring myself to say it twice. You know, I, you know I, we, we've already the, talked about everything I want to write about in an article on the podcast. But but when you when you did that with the Hamilton hire, we we talked it to death Monday, and then you included all those thoughts and more in an article, and the article's getting rave reviews. Right. So I, so I hear you. We sit here and we talk on this podcast, and. And I don't want to retype that stuff either, but but people access our content all different ways yeah. 
So it just makes me unmotivated to type it. I'll put right, it right. I hear. Well, I, well, then how about I this? Let's, let's sign off now, and hopefully, I can leave you a little motivated, not not leave yeah. you on here for another five or so minutes. But can thank you everybody for listening. Really appreciate it. We're back uh, on Monday, likely at a, a different time. I have a final in the middle of when we would normally do this podcast, so uh, we'll keep you posted on the boards and on uh, social media. But yeah, that's going to do it for this edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening this week. Be sure to follow uh, Tech Sideline on social media on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. YouTube, all at Tech Sideline. If you're watching this video on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe. That'll do it for us, for our fantastic producer, Malcolm Stewart, on the podcast set, our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder, and Ed Honcho, Will Stewart. I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes, saying so long. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you Monday right here on the Tech Sideline podcast, presented by the Fisher Law Firm.